Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Now... Moutier works the right side, attacks Dinwiddie to the rack, lays it up and in, tied at 94. Emmanuel Moutier. Donovan off a Conley pick, attacks Kyrie, steps through the lane, scores it. Tied at 112, Donovan Mitchell. Delay game on Utah. It to Donovan, minute 37 left, Donovan in the open floor, bounces to Conley in the right corner, bullets it down low to Gobert, what a catch and a finish! Jazz by two, Rudy Gobert catches Mike Conley's bullet above the traffic and lays it up and in. Did you put on the lucky purple uh, hoodie right about the start of the fourth quarter because it seemed like things changed? No. Could have been the bench. Could have been something Quinn said, but I thought, you know, it could be PK changing the clothing. No, I'm not a clothing changer. I wear what I wear and that's it. Uh, I felt that they were going to win all along. And they had a marvelous comeback to win. Some great things that I saw. Start with number. Start with number one. That that was the best run we've seen from the bench as they uh, turned the game around with that run at the start of the fourth quarter. Well, Green and Moutier making Emmanuel, big buckets. I'm in a great Moutier has been playing sensationally, and, and Green hit a couple of shots. Yeah, so I mean he hit three three pointers, and that's a big difference when you're getting uh, what did they score? Twenty eight points between them. That's going to be a lot, you know, because they don't have a lot of other scorers off the bench. They don't play a lot of their guys off the bench. So uh, Joe had a big defensive assignment, and he, his shot was off, obviously. So you need Green and Moutier, because right now they're basically all they have. Uh, even though Joe is a bench guy, I consider him a starter, because he's playing starter minutes, playing way more minutes. I think he played like 10 more minutes than Royce O'Neal in this game. So he's considered a... That sixth man start at the end of the game type of thing, if that makes sense. Uh, so it boils down to Moutier and Green. And Moutier has been playing very, very well. He's so far, man, he's been a great, he's been a sensational pickup for exactly what they need. When Exum comes back, I'm not sure where he fits in. That's up to him and Coach Schneider to find out a way. And then I thought Gobert. Gobert's footwork around the basket was something that I hadn't really seen as much or as well. You know, we know he can lob and dunk and catch the lob and dunk. We, we got that. But in order for him to be his most effective offensively, since he's not going to step back and, and shoot face-ups from distance, he's going to have to have some footwork around the basket because not every single bucket can be a lob dunk. And I thought he showed that in a few moves where he had some great footwork to maneuver himself to get in position to make the shot. And it was very impressive. And to me, this year, he's gotten better offensively. He had a big bucket late in the game, uh, kind of off the scramble a little bit, and Conley found him. But I thought the even bigger one was he got an offensive rebound on the next possession and scored. And he, when we were talking with Locke, we were talking about the dunk spot last Friday where you're hidden behind the backboard. And I think for all the issues they're having with running the pick and roll and the way teams are guarding the three, I, I really think that's the answer because it's going to put those big guys, and I think it was DeAndre Jordan at that point, it's going to put them in a two-on-one. They're either going to have to go get the person who's driving, whether it's Conley or Mitchell, or they stay with Gobert. They either give up an contested lay-in, or it's going to be a lot easier for Gobert to get a rebound. And I think we're going to see more of that, and he's going to excel at that. He got out of that dunk spot, and that was a big bucket late in the game, and the place went nuts, and they went, went up four at that spot, at that point, and 
I'm they just had the in W. Love. I'm in love with the screen assist. I didn't even not know what that I was think, until But last I think week. by moving him to the dunk spot, the screen assist even know number the, is going to go down. I don't know what the dunk spot is. Uh, we'll talk about it later. No, you will. I won't pay attention. Uh, that's I'll what you go, don't know right I'll now. I'll go Jamal Williams on you. But the screen assist. <laughs> Jamal, that was awesome. It's just, <laughs> it's my new favorite stat. And I didn't even know it existed until like four days ago. Jazz get a couple days off now. They'll probably get a day off entirely and then have a practice, sharpen the game, and then it's Friday night. Mike Conley returns to Memphis. That's the next game up for the Jazz. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. It's tough for me to leave from the sideline. The more I can be on the floor and help this team win, that's what I try to do. I know what our goal is. Uh, I know what we're trying to do. The more I can try to stay on the floor, the more steps we move toward our goal. Anthony Davis wants to play big minutes, wants to be healthy, wants to be out there. 24-12 and 12 for AD. And LeBron had a nice game, and the Lakers beat the Suns 123-115. At least for now, the way the Suns are going, that's one of the bigger games when two of the top eight in the West face off, PK, and the Lakers get her done. Rats. <laughs> you want the Suns to have the magical year? And stick it to the Lakers been a Suns fan ever since I was born. Even in Jersey? I didn't know it yet. Oh, okay. Lakers 8-2 and two off to the best start in the West. They're a half game up on the Jazz and a game up on the Rockets. Clippers and Nuggets. It's pretty early, but already the five teams that we talked about have risen to the top, PK. It's another game back to some of the other clubs like the Suns. Yeah, the Nuggets lost, though. True story, the Nuggets got beat by the Hawks. Trey Young went off. He had a monster game, scored 42 points. Also had 11 assists, and the Nuggets got beat 125-121. Yeah, it's way cool. We always check the injuries because we know those can uh, those can mess up good teams. Rockets look like a good team, but Eric Gordon's undergoing knee surgery. He's going to miss six weeks. So, see you for the first of the year. Somewhere around New Year's Day, Eric Gordon will be back, and the Rockets will be Shorthanded. Paul George has been out, and he might be ready to make his debut Thursday in New Orleans. The Clippers Sorry. getting their full complement and see what they look like. They're off to a good start, 7-3 and three without him, but he's been having that surgically repaired right shoulder, so we may see him Thursday. Clippers-Rockets tonight. Both those teams missing guys. A little shorthanded, and they'll play tonight. Warriors-Lakers was going to be a big game, but that's... Trended in a different direction this year. Not not so huge now. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Looking deep. Plays it into Maxi. Maxi at six. Comes across the line. Maxi deep three. Right side for the tie. Air ball. Rebound. Riley. And Evansville has shocked the newly crowned number one team in the land. Kentucky on its home court. The Purple Aces take down the Wildcats 67 to 64. Every little single detail, man, and the execute, so I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them. This is a big win for our program um, and for our community, and it's awesome. That's Walter McCarty, coach of the Evansville Aces, Jerry Sloan's old school. Evansville, unranked, going in, taking down the big dog in Rupp Arena. He played at Kentucky, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah, he's I remember for- that name. Yeah, he's a former Wildcat. Former Wildcat yeah. goes and beats his old team. Yeah, okay. 67-64 in Rupp Arena. After that big made-for-TV doubleheader you loathe so much in Madison Square Garden, they go back for what's essentially a money game, and they hand over the check, and then they hand over the W. Uh, it's not 
matter much when it comes to March, is it? I guess the question with Kentucky is they bring in so many guys every year. Are they overhyped? Are they no good? I don't know that one game will matter. All these teams are overhyped every year. So is this really just revealing who they are? As opposed to the win. No friggin' As opposed idea. to the win that Nor beats do them. I give to you know what. <laughs> Come on, Dave. You don't want to see Cal- jazz, You don't want to see Calipari win. I couldn't care less if he wins. 17th ranked Aggies annihilate Denver. A 41-point win, 97 to 56. Brock Miller had 27 points, a career best for him, as the Aggies improved to 3-0. BYU TV tonight for the Cougars and Southern Utah at the Marriott Center. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. A lot of guys want to come to LSU. A lot of guys want to be with us. Uh, we're the hot team in America right now. We've got a great coaching staff. We have the best facilities in the country. We're able to attract the best players in Louisiana and around the country. We have a great recruiting class right now. We're going to add some great players because of the way we're playing. So we're excited about that, excited about our football team. Ed Orgeron, head coach of the LSU Tigers. Is he the one guy with that voice who just needs no introduction? Everybody knows it's Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Can't be anybody else. For sure. They're number one in the new college football playoff rankings. Alabama dropped out of the top four. It's Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. The Utes are number seven, right behind number six, Oregon. Bama hanging in there at five. Do you care that the Utes are seven? There's enough games to go. It'll all shake out. Minnesota didn't pass them now, but if they beat Iowa and Wisconsin, they probably will. If they lose to one of them, then they'll be behind well, the Utes. Yeah, but this is about passing them on December 9th or 8th. Yep. I mean, who cares about next week? Are you asking me if I get are the Utes going to get into the playoff? The answer is no. I mean, being ranked 7th. It's a lot of ground to make up in the last but, four But weeks. it doesn't get you anything. You, you only need to be ranked... In the top four, to get if your if your goal is to get in the playoff, I don't think there's any way possible that the Utes get in. I'm not, I, sh- I, need, I can't say that, but there's very unlikely like a five percent. Yeah. But you know, they haven't played a Power Five team in their non-conference since Michigan. 2015, right? The and they're not going to play another one since until th- like 2022. And yeah, you want fairness? Great, good for you. You want fairness. Talk to me about the kid who's born to a mother who used meth. And you want fairness. Oh, because the uh, Georgia your, gets it. Come on. In your college football. When, when do you expect fairness? What is fairness? There's no such thing as fairness. And so, yeah, the SEC has all these advantages and whatnot. It's their party. We already know that. If Utah wanted to get in the playoff, it had to go undefeated. And it didn't. SEC with three of the top five teams. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. AM Rappaport NFL Network says that uh, Dak's deal is headed to the franchise tag. No progress during the bye week. Your possible comments or reaction? He has no idea because uh, I would be the only one that knows whether he's right or wrong. And I can tell you he has no idea. Jerry Jones on reports the Cowboys are going to hit Dak Prescott with the franchise tag. He's got no idea. Yeah. I'm not interested in that. 49er star Emmanuel Sanders, cartilage damages in his ribs. He left the Monday Night Football game with Seattle. He's a game-time decision for the Arizona Cardinals game this week, according to head coach Kyle Shanahan. 
DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Bruce Bochy retiring in San Francisco. Gabe Kapler's going to be the guy. Used to be with your Phillies. Team you used to like when you were in Jersey. Gabe Kapler, good hire. <laughs> what do I say about hiring of coaches and managers and all that? Nobody bleeping knows. <laughs> Is he a good hire? <laughs> yeah, if they get better players, he's a great hire. I, I, I don't know. He has experience, so that's good. But it does seem like once you get in, you'll find a way to get other jobs. Seems like you'll get, once you get in, you'll get at least two chances. Whether you get that third one or not might be up for debate. Although a lot of them do get three chances. And yet they get fired. I mean, you look at, uh, for, uh, was it Philadelphia? They said it was Showalter and Girardi and... Who am I missing? Somebody else. Was it Dusty Baker? I don't remember. Yeah. Dusty was on the list. Now, all those guys have been managers several times over. So you do get opportunities. Uh, and then you have to you have to hope that you strike goal like Joe Madden, right? This is his third managerial job. We'll be with the Angels this year, right? So you we got to find a way to get your foot in the door. And then once you get your foot in the door, it seems like you'll get a few chances from there. Even at, and it's across the board, really, in professional sports. NBA guys, it'll work the same way. I think it does off the top. I mean, I'm sure there's guys that it didn't work for, but yeah. it seems like, you know, once you find, like Ty, Ty Corbin hasn't been able to get another right. head coaching job, but other folks, seems like they do. They circulate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Rick Adelman did the Portland, Houston, Sacramento thing. So, yeah, you can kind of see how guys turn into lifers. Carlisle, a little more current. But uh, Carlisle yeah. sitting on his second gig, but probably oh, I think it's his third. Isn't oh, it? is it? Indiana, Detroit. Oh, I left out Detroit. I left out Detroit. Uh, so those those things those things happen. Monty Williams is his second, right? He was with the Pelicans and Alvin Gentry. With, now he's with Phoenix. Gentry is circulated around. Uh, whether they hit, I, I can't answer that. The Giants think they they think he should, and Luke Walton just got his second gig. Which yeah, once he got his foot in the door, yeah. So find a way to get that first job, and and then then you'll go. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, we're talking college football. Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, joins us coming up at 7.30. Riley Jensen, our college in football insider at 8 o'clock. we got more on the Jazz taking down the Nets. Second best record in the West now at 8-3. and three. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Donovan Mitchell scoring a game-high 30 points to lead the Jazz to a come-from-behind win. They beat the Brooklyn Nets 119-114. to 114. Rudy Gobert added 18 points, 15 rebounds, a couple of big buckets late in the game. Jazz now 8-3. they got a couple days off, and they play the Grizzlies on ESPN Friday night in Memphis, 6 o'clock. Other scores in the NBA, Lakers beat the Suns 123-115. to Blazers lose to the Sacramento Kings 107-99. to 
Tonight, Raptors and Blazers, 8 o'clock, Clippers and Rockets, 5.30. College basketball, Utah State beating Denver, 97-56, UVU over Ottawa University of Arizona. 101-70, a 31-point win for the Wolverines. Top of the wire, brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park right and save at Diamond Airport Parking. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. True championship-level teams have aspects of their game that they can lean on. If I could build any aspect of a game that I could lean on, I've got a base run game that opens up all kinds of offensive formulas, and I've got a base run-stop defense that's number one in the country, and I've got a loss that already woke me up against USC. If it happens again against UCLA, I'm throwing my hands up and saying, I don't know what to tell you, because this is a championship-level team, and they decided they were going to sleep on a week that determined everything. A Pac-12 championship, a potential representation at the college football playoff. It's all right there for them to get. If they're sleeping on it, and they let a poor UCLA team beat them, I'm going to be disgusted. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join us Friday. We're going to be at Murdoch Chevrolet broadcasting live in Woods Cross, 2375 South, 625 West. You'll be able to stop by, rip the beanie right off of PK's head. Grab that hat, take it home with you. Met a guy this past weekend who said he had the pleasure of ripping a hat off PK's head a couple weeks back and said he really enjoyed it. That's what we did all summer. We'll be transitioning into beanies now as we get into uh, late November. So we'll see you up there Friday. All right, PK, we got a few minutes to talk jazz here before we check in with uh, Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst. Yeah, go ahead. You've got uh, any takeaways from the game, aside from what we just talked about and what is trending, which is the bench, much better, impacting the game. It's one thing for the starters to come in and have to wipe out a 10-point deficit in the last eight minutes or something. It's another thing to look up and realize, oh, you got a one-point lead with nine minutes to go. That just changed in two and a half minutes. Just bing. It was a little bit of a struggle until then. All of a sudden, it seemed really easy. Yeah, I thought it was a struggle the whole time, but uh, they gutted it out and found a way to win on a back-to-back and all that stuff, so that's good. Those are the types of things that can maybe make a difference in a seat or two down the line when we get to April if you can have things. Anybody can beat anybody in this league basically if things are flowing and you're just cooking and shots are going in you're at home and the momentum and people are smiling and you're having a great time that's that's when it's easy but when it's not and things are not going your way and you have to gut it out and find ways to just plow through it that to me that and what you're going to have you know 20 25 games maybe 30 games like that during a year I don't know how many but those are the ones that are more impressive than I mean. There was one game against the Lakers. I remember Rodney Hood scored like thirty points in a quarter or something. You know what I mean? Everything was he could have taken hook shots from half court and they would have gone in that night. And those things happen in the course of a eighty-two game season too. You're going to have enough of those. But find these ways where you need to grind. And I thought in this situation they had to grind. And they were fortunate that Jeff Green made three threes. Uh, Moutier to me, has found a way to have some consistency in his game because he's not just a perimeter shooter. He's not a catch-and-shoot-from-distance guy. 
He's using his size to his advantage. He's blended in very, very nicely and has become a critical component in a short amount of time. I mean, really, you know, we're still not even a month into the season here with just 11 games. And so I'm very impressed with the way he's playing. Absolutely. And then you can just see the flow of the guys getting better with the familiarity that that would breed, which makes sense. You know, does Conley make that pass to go bear? No. Earlier, two weeks ago, <laughs> last week, or what have you, and, and Conley spoke about that. You can listen to it if you didn't. If you went to bed, it's on our uh, website, obviously, and you can replay our show. We we play the jazz recap every morning. Jake Scott does a great job for us, and so you can go listen to it in the first hour. You know, and he's talking about that, and that's going to come through just the familiarity of each other, and so that and that play, that that play needs to happen before it happens. So you can't catch the ball and think, oh, what am I going to do? You pretty much, as Mitchell's making the throw and Conley's catching the ball, he's surveying what's ahead of him, in front of him, rather than ahead, but in front of him. So he gets it and immediately fires it off to go bare because, and I think a large part of that is these guys being together, those two in particular, because you were putting in, as we've talked about, basically three new guys in the starting lineup. That's a lot. And it wasn't just that he threw him the ball. It was where he threw it. You know, if you throw it down low, there's a chance to strip it. You can't just throw it to his waist or throw it to his numbers. Throw it up high. Let him go get it. I think everybody knows that with a seven-footer-plus guy, though. Well, then we would see fewer passes at his waist and fewer turnovers. So uh, I was was glad to see that You don't think they know that? Uh, A lot of times they know it, but I still see passes to him, and I wonder why they aren't up higher. I thought the other thing Moutier did, uh, in addition to the stuff you were talking about, great job of getting to the free throw line. Playing in a limited role off the bench to shoot eight free throws, that is, that is a lot of trips to the line. But He's a he's, big dude. He's good off the dribble, and like you said, he's got some size and strength, and you know he'll go into guys and draw the contact and get himself to the line. Right, he's not looking necessarily to jack up threes. But you know it's the most efficient way to score and all of that, and he can shoot a high percentage of them. He hits seven out of eight at I the line. I think the dunk is the most efficient. DJ and PK, time to talk a little football right now with Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst joining us. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you? We're good. Is the glass half full or half empty with that win over Liberty? Did you want more style points and a bigger margin? Or they got a W, they went home with a W, and you don't care about the details? Yeah, um, well, so it's a half full for me, definitely. And uh, those... I got to say, going in, like, and I don't remember if I said this on your guys' show last week or not, but, like, when I popped on the tape of these guys, I was like, they're a better South Florida. And with a better quarterback and that, uh, you know, that wide receiver is a guy who's going to get a legitimate shot at the next level, including, you know, chance of being a, a draft pick. And then Hugh Freeze, you know, you look at his track record in the SEC, I don't know what the distinction was. I, the only coach to beat Nick Saban two out of three years or back-to-back years or something, but when he was old Miss, you know, he had a lot of success there. So I, the the win was about on par for me, I, and I do kind of feel like, look, Liberty got a little bit of a backdoor cover, and most of the game was spent, you know, 12, 14, to 17 points, and it ended up at seven, uh, which was a little bit by design. BYU, I think, pulled off the gas a little bit. They didn't pressure as much on the defensive side of the ball and offensive side of the ball. You know, they were playing after those two turnovers. The fumble and the interception were playing a little bit con- more conservative down the stretch. So I-, I was happy with the win. I think Liberty deserves a lot of credit. Um, and 
yeah, a, a, bottom line is a win is a win. I, I don't get these, you know, the, the fans out there that might be saying that <laughs> watched him lose to Toledo and South Florida in heartbreaking fashion, giving up 10 point leads in the fourth quarter, and then they're going to complain about any, uh, about how any game was won. They're freaking idiots, each and every one of them, Riley. Let me tell you that. <laughs> your word's not mine. I can't take the Twitter abuse, so that's your word's not mine. I'm going to take it either way, so what the heck. I might as well get my money's worth. You know, the way, and let me, I want to throw a theory by you and see, get your reaction to it. I think you're putting BYU sometimes in, in unusual, if not difficult, positions in that they're playing these teams that – they're on the other side of the country. They're probably not recruiting the same guys. There's no familiarity from one year to the next. You're basically throwing on game film starting on Sunday or Saturday of that week before proceeding playing them. And then you're supposed to know everything about them. Whereas if you're in a conference, you know, you recruit a lot of these kids and you've seen them in camps and whatnot. And then they've been in the program for a number of years and you're playing them each year most times. And so you don't have have to start from scratch but you're asking the BYU coaching staff and it works both ways for Liberty too it's not just a one-way deal but you're asking these guys all right now become so intimately familiar with everything they do in a span of two days and present it to the players and then go out and have this great game plan so I think in a sense that I agree with you in that it's a win you didn't you had no basis of a foundation of which to draw from and then you move on to the next one that's the way I see that yeah, you are. You're right on. That's a. I I think that can be more of a you know in science something moves from a hypothesis to a theory to a law. I would say you know that's more than a theory. That's getting closer to a law because that is true. You, I you know I played two years in the Mountain West, um, and of course was in a conference uh, in the WAC when I was at, at Utah State. But you're right. The approach once you got in the conference play, and it, it goes everything from just personnel, right? Like the DM that the offensive tackle is going to be blocking. He faced last year. So he, he's already got that foundation of, oh, yeah, I remember him doing this move. He was really good here. He was weak here. You pop on the film and, like, uh, oh, looks like he's gotten a little bit better here. All the way from there uh, to the coordinators. The, the coordinators stayed the same. Uh, the wide receivers coached the same. So they're going to be coached the same way. We can know what the end. We can, we can counterattack for that. And that familiarity it cannot be uh, cannot be understated. And you look at teams' records. When, when do most upsets happen? And they happen in the first you know, two or three weeks of the college football season. And why why is that? I mean, generally across the board. Maybe not the biggest, but just in general, the most teams that lose that shouldn't have lost. And the, the reason is because you're playing teams that you don't know and you're and you're unfamiliar with. And that's essentially what BYU's entire season is, with the, with few exceptions. You know, getting Boise and Utah and Utah State and some of those other ones that have kind of been mainstays. But the vast majority of their schedule, they're getting their crack at it the first time. And in college football, if the team is you know is any good at all, anything can happen, as we saw with Toledo and South Florida. I've always thought one of the hardest things for coaches to do is to. Uh analyze and judge the quarterbacks based on practice and the scrimmages because the quarterback isn't going to get hit and everybody knows it so it isn't exactly the same thing it's a little different playing quarterback when some 300 pounder can blow you up and fall on top of you so now that you've seen all the BYU quarterbacks in game action does it change the way you look at the way the way you would adjust the depth chart if everybody were healthy at the same time which they may not need to do just the way it's playing out how would you how would you handle the depth chart now that you've seen them all in action? 
Yeah, um, you're right in that practice is an extremely difficult evaluation. It was one that I uh, struggled with my entire career in that I, I worked hard in practice and I was I was good in practice, you know, but I wasn't I wasn't like extraordinary. Nobody, you guys were there, and I probably you know you're I probably never dropped your jaw during a practice. I mean, I, but then I got in game and it was like oh. What would have been a surefire sack, I was able to escape, extend the play, pick up, you know, find someone downfield or pick up something with my legs. So it's an extremely difficult evaluation because for quarterback position, because you are trying to protect them, and then just the nature of practice is not is not real football. You can learn a lot more, you know, about some technique and have a good idea how a receiver is going to do, how a DB is going to be able to cover, and even linemen, even though they're not taking each other to the ground. You know, based off some initial moves and, and some of the hand technique and footwork, you can kind of know how they're going to be. But a quarterback standing in a protected pocket with an early whistle or going through majority seven-on-seven drills, it's extremely hard. So um, going back to the depth chart, it's, it's difficult to make this evaluation when practice comes on practice alone because if you're going by game film, obviously the teams that Zach played against were completely different. Um, than the ones that Jaron and, and and maybe not by record and Baylor have faced. Maybe not by record, but just by, you know, height, weight, eye test, the, the type of recruits, the type of athletes they are, and all of those things. And so, and, and Zach, you know, he did well. If you look at his numbers against that, that kind of a schedule, they were not they were not lackluster. I know the offense as a whole maybe it, it has picked up significantly, but I don't think that that's due a hundred percent to the quarterback position. So, and you guys were just talking about the Jazz before I hopped on. Jerry Sloan kind of had an axiom that uh, you know no starter should should lose his job to injury. He should at least be given the opportunity to come back and reestablish himself as a starter. Now maybe he's got a little bit quicker or a little bit of a shorter leash, a quicker hook. But that's how I approach it is once Zach's healthy, you get him out there and you allow him, you know, you allow him to show that that he still is the, the number one player on the depth chart, which he earned last year and through this offseason. And the only reason why he's not playing is due to injury. And then as you come down from there, uh, between Baylor and Jaron, you know, two concussions in as many games for Jaron Hall, uh, that raises some safety concerns, and it also raises some durability concerns because that hit he took against Utah State was was a pretty, you know, average hit. And so it, you started the coaching staff. Obviously, you feel for the kid, and he's dealing with health issues. But man, do you really want to put another guy out there that the first, you know, hit to the head he takes, he, he you risk having to take him out of the ball game, right? You've invested all the you've invested all the reps in him in practice throughout the entire week. And then he takes a hit in the second quarter, and, and he's got to come out again, and you've got to put in another guy who wasn't prepared for that week. So, I, you know, that, as far as that backup goes, probably I'd probably go Zach Baylor because he's more durable. He's proven he's capable, decisive, efficient, all those things. I think he gives Zach the chance above him because I do think just the eye test and you can see in practice, he maybe has a little bit more of the skill set. But you got to understand that, you know, that skill set only matters if you're executing and being productive with the offense, which you assume Zach will be. So I... Long or long answer, but I think you go Wilson, Romney, and Hall, and not because Hall has not earned it or not played. Man, you look at the time that he's been in, he's been extremely productive from a total yards standpoint and efficiency standpoint, both passing and rushing. He's an amazing player, but it's just the question mark surrounding his health is maybe why you bump him down to, I won't even say a 3, I'll say a 2B. Okay, with that in mind on this one, you know, we talked about uh, not blowing out uh, Liberty. 
I mean, they've, they've got to win comfortably on this one, don't they? Yes. Good. <laughs> you back with us, Riley? Riley. Yeah, sorry. We cut out in the middle of PJ's. Uh, sorry, cut out in the middle of TK's uh, question. You said something. We talked about not blowing out Liberty, and then that's where I lost you. You got to blow out Idaho State, don't you? Oh, yeah, no question. Um, the, Idaho State is, look, if they were playing Weaver State, it'd be a different question, right? Because that program and the way they're playing football yeah. is is tremendous. And um, But Idaho State is not on that caliber. And regardless of the ups and downs and the struggles, I mean, you look at Idaho State, you pop the film on. It was like against Liberty. You pop the film on, and I was like, man, this seems like a better South Florida. BYU lost to South Florida. You pop the team on. Uh, or you fought the film on against Idaho State, and you're like, yeah, this is a, this is an FCS team and an FCS team that is struggling. They're searching for answers. They don't, they don't really have athletes um, and no real foundation to be able to compete with you. So yeah, this is one. This has got to be a 28 plus point win. Riley Nelson joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, any young guys who might play in a blowout like this that you're excited to see? Guys who you think uh, maybe have been buried, haven't gotten the opportunity, but this will be our chance. We'll start figuring out who these guys are for the future. <laughs> with the way the BYU um, dealt with injuries, that we've actually already had that chance. You know, the emergency of Seattle now, you see Blake Freeland on the offensive line. You've seen, you know, didn't think like Shaman Willis at corner was going to play a lot. You've seen a lot of him. Um, so there, there's not really that many guys uh, left on the depth chart. That said, uh, I saw on Twitter, I can't remember who was reporting it, but they said Troy Rollins and Chris Wilcox will get, will be back for this game. So those are, you know, those slated to be starting corners for them uh, going into the season. And of course, they've both been dealing with significant injuries. Uh, you know, they're basically foot and ankle injury. So excited to see them get back and get in their first action. Um, the, the linebacker crew, a lot have played there. Um, but I think there's some, some younger dudes who have been listed on the two deep that haven't really got in um, that, I, that I think will get in. Like Drew Jensen's a guy like that, and he, and he might play at safety. They are simulating in the backfield in the defensive backfield with um, Diane Gunwalaku and Austin Lee. So it'll be interesting to see what young guys, and we haven't really seen much um, from any other players play at safety. So it'll be interesting to see that, you know, what young guys they throw in at safety. And, um, and then you look on the offensive side of the ball, maybe the only player that I, we haven't seen from that I'd like to see from is Keanu Hill. He obviously highly touted, showed a lot during fall camp, struggled with staying healthy. But, uh, you know, everyone's excited about his future. So uh, the new redshirt rule certainly makes for more entertaining games like this where you can play a lot of those young players but know you're not burning a year. Riley, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Riley Nelson, BYU Radio Analyst, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen, College Football Insider, coming up at the top of the hour. More on the Jazz win over the Nets next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK, you put a question up on our Facebook page. How about the Jazz win? Something special brewing? Question mark? A lot of positivity out there. Eight and three? Why not? Second best record in the West. Second Lakers. best record in the West. Lakers are eight and two, but eight and three. Right there. It's a half a game behind if I do my math correctly. Daniel, you do. Daniel says, the Jazz find a way to win. I'm not so sure they would have won this one with last year's team. I'm feeling optimistic. Okay. Sure. I can buy all that. But both of those things. Dumb. They've got scoring, they got defense, they got bench depth and teamwork. I see a lot of potential. Oh, they got everything. I don't know if they have bench depth though. They had it last night. They had some score that scoring well, punch two, off the two bench. Two players played well. That's right. not depth. I would not that's why I changed it to had scoring <laughs> punch off the bench, which they've even been lacking that. But the bench depth compared to the last couple of years when you could look at the 11th or 12th guy and say, "Well, he could play and things could go all right." And they're not uh, they're not going that far down the bench. Then about right. nine deep. Oh, at best. Right. And injuries limiting that a little bit. And Jeff Green made three threes. He continues to play like that. That's going to be a major plus. Moutier, it's almost to the point where I'm expecting him to play well. Maybe I'm a too optimistic there. But it seems like his game isn't necessarily reliant on whether shots go in. Gerald says only quality teams find ways to win having a bad shooting night. Big credit to Green and Moutier saving the Jazz against the Nets. Uh, yeah, I think it's more than those two, but those two jump out at you when they score 28 points combined for sure. Uh, Joe didn't score. Obviously, he didn't even make a shot outside of uh, three, three, for, three free throws, I think. But You're you know, correct. They were just uh, gushing over his defense of uh, Kyrie Irving. And, and the thing about Irving, you, you know he's going to shoot. He's going to shoot a bunch. It's just a matter of making it as difficult as possible and then hope it doesn't go in. He finished 10 for 30 and missed a bunch of shots in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He was not productive at all in the fourth. Right, you have to make him work, and then that's all you can do. Then it's up to whether the shot goes in or not. And the more difficult you make it on him, the greater chance that there's a miss. And they did that. Chris is definitely glass half full guy. Chris, uh, you know, next time Quinn goes to lunch with our listeners, he might go with Chris. I think that's just reserved to Dean. Really, only Dean gets that. Well, when Quinn hears Chris's attitude, I think he's going to like it. Man, we need to put together four quarters. When we do that, we will be unstoppable. The perfect game, PK. Can't have a damn quarter. Other players can't be good and can't get hot. And, and Brooklyn had 68 points at halftime. For a Jazz team that is one of the best defensive teams in the league, Lakers and Magic also doing pretty well statistically here early in the year. But for one of the best defensive teams in the league, that was, that was not a good defensive half. <laughs> you look at the right ratings, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't have any idea that the Magic is doing well defensively. Yeah, the standings there, you can click on the points per game. And then if you question it... I look at the standings, yeah. and I look at the standings, because the standings <laughs> tell me all that I need to know. <laughs> I don't need. Once I look at the standings, I'm good, because that's what it's going to be determined on. Now the long commercial breaks, <laughs> and I just looked at them. 
Oh, brother. It's the difference between you and me, PK. One of us has made it work for 17, 18 years. Let's one of us went going. to 15, another one's moved on. <laughs> Frank is having none of this positivity, though. Not everybody's positive out there in the world. What? Let's wait till February or March. For what? To decide if they're good or not, well, I assume. Well, let's wait till April, then. <laughs> April or May or June. How about yeah. that? How about June? Wouldn't you like to still be wondering how good they are in June? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, they'd still be playing. Playing in June, that's great. Very, you're good. If you're, if you're playing in June, you're good. Aaron, Aaron is a let's not get carried away. It's the Nets. It's not about the Nets. It's about the way you had to find ways to win. The Nets are okay. I got it. They're not great. But so do I just say, well, let's not get it away. It was the Bucks. I mean, what, where, where, where do I go with that? I would say with the Nets, a team that is a uh, mediocre team in the East really isn't that good. But I think you got to factor the schedule in. They're sitting here waiting. You're playing back-to-back coming in from the West Coast. We know, having followed for this year, there are scheduled wins and scheduled losses. The night you have an advantage, the night you have a disadvantage. If you're at a disadvantage and you win anyway, that's a good thing. And it doesn't guarantee what's going to happen when you're playing the Clippers or the Lakers in the playoffs. But it's the only thing you got to go on now, and you were at a schedule disadvantage, and you found a way to win. So take that as a positive and move on. Yes, that's what matters the most. The Nets, this is a redshirt year, basically. I mean, they're waiting to Durant gets healthy for next season. You know, so they're just going to go through and... Do what they can do yeah. and get ready for Durant to come in. Right. I mean, he's a premier player. I expect it to be... And he may not be the same, but he'll still be very good, I would think. And then they make their move next season. Roy says the Jazz are beating the teams that they are better than, and that is a great trend. Instead of winning two out of three or three out of four of those and dropping one here and there, because that's the kind of thing that's going to put you back in the five seat again. You got to play these games. You might as well win them. Well, I guess maybe Sacramento is the only one, uh, but I don't know that they're better than the Bucks. I know they beat the Bucks. But I can't necessarily say they're better than the Bucks, and they have played the Clippers twice. But it's not the Clipper team that they'll play. That they'll play. Uh, but they did win one. They did lose one. So what does that mean? I, I can't say that they're always beating the teams that they're better than. And the most most of the time they have been. But that Clipper team without Paul George, they should be better than. Uh, um, that Laker team, they didn't have Bogdanovich, so they weren't better, and they got smoked. Those are their three losses. So I look at it in terms of find ways to win. When a game isn't going your way, and it clearly wasn't going that way, I can argue that under the circumstances, grading on that curve, this is the best win they've had. You know, they beat Milwaukee. The other yeah. Night. That's it, the highest profile. Right. But Conley's hitting a bunch of shots. Yeah. Things are going great. Philly Simmons was out. So if you want to downgrade, he only played 10 minutes. And here, the other team was hitting a bunch of shots. And with 24 minutes remaining, you're down 15. That's a great win. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Riley Jensen is here. Our college football insider is coming up next. Stay with us.